0: Is Sam Moran the savior that Philadelphia Flyers fans have been waiting for for the 2021 Philadelphia season, or is this all just a facade? Let's all talk about it right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Cornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It's episode seventy-one of Orange and Backcheck, and we're actually doing a flip. I know I just said that Sam Moran's going to be the discussion, but we're actually going to say that we didn't watch any games this week. We just played Call of Duty. Scott and I, and uh, let me tell you, Scott sucks at COD. Like <laughs> he's he's terrible. Like that's I'm, that's the biggest takeaway I've gotten for this week. Scott, I'm that's
1: I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty brutal. I ask I all the time, like. Um, but how do you aim so steady? My aim is all over the place. and It's perfect because I use LMGs instead of SMGs and other assault rifles and stuff. But when you have 100 bullets, I figured if I just keep firing, eventually it's going to hit the guy if it doesn't <laughs> stop. So, I mean, you know, the, the odds are there. The odds are there. So I'm not skilled to be able to peg a guy with 30 bullets. If I have 100, I have a better chance of doing it.
0: I mean, it's a fair strategy i guess i mean a blind squirrel every blind squirrel finds a nut so i go, guess that's the, right? that's the just that's like the flyers logic.
1: they found a the way to get two points out of the rangers this week
0: yeah i mean and they i mean it's not great but three out of eight points is certainly better than the one that you were on pace to get uh after getting blown out by the, the rangers tw- all near while well, you got blown up by the rangers you had a really disappointing loss against uh, the devils, devils that we both said were going to be like that, like you can't, and that's what we'll we'll get into the the week ahead with Buffalo. Like you can't leave points on the table. That yes, you're a bad team right now, but when there are worse teams on your schedule, you beat them up, and then you focus on the teams that you're struggling against, namely the Rangers and the Islanders that you that you looked at. And Then all of a sudden, you're looking at a four game skid, like or nearly, uh, yeah, a four game skid that would nearly escalate into a five or no i'm sorry it was a wait yes i'm sorry i'm losing my head they, they lost three are you in a row. okay yeah i don't know man it, it's been are a long okay? week like i said i had to deal with your <laughs> call of duty playing so that was where we were yeah at. fair enough you mm-hmm. know
1: that game just got so out of hand so quickly i have not done that in years i'm just like screw it there's nothing to see here they're down they're down they're down eight one like they're six one whatever it was at the point i'm just seeing the score pile up it's like this is not even worth it now the nine, nothing one was different. Cause I'm like, this is, a, this is incredible how it's happening, but when it happens again in the span of a week yeah. you, you and you, against you, the same team. Yes. You, you find out and realize, okay, th- there's, there's a point where you just need to say enough is enough. And that was for me. Um, I, I've not done that in years and you know, Honestly, it's tough when you go back and watch that because it's the same exact issues from the nine, nothing loss. the same defensive issue, same miscues, same lack of communication, same thing. Guys not doing anything they're supposed to do. Um, but you know what? There is good news. I'll say this Buffalo is coming up this week. And even though they've lost a lot in a row, hopefully, uh, you know, the flyers don't turn into the team that actually, um, you know, lose to them, uh, if that's the case, um, now then, there I do have great news though, because Speed was just released on HBO, uh, HBO Max this week, and um, I'll be flipping that on in case I'm watching that instead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll start my summer movie watching because that, you, your season, basically, you your, your season is up this week. I mean, honestly, let's be real. If they do not find a way to beat Buffalo both games, and I'm talking about where you have to come back and then win the damn thing in overtime if you don't beat them this week you're in big trouble i mean buffalo has not won a game since february 20th okay
0: um six wins on the year i mean it's insane and one
1: of them is against the flyers in regulation and they blew them out so if you wind up breaking the sabers losing streak this week you're probably the next worst team next them and Unfortunately, you know, last week I was wrong. I really thought the team would turn the quarter this week. You can't play a team like the Devils. Yes, you came back and almost had a chance to tie it at the end, but you were down 4 1 in the first place. And now you have a team where, you know, you had a chance to, we got a point out of the Islanders, which is good. I anyway, mean, that was a tough playing game. But then you respond by losing to the Devils. And then you respond to that one by getting blown up by the Rangers again. And you respond by beating the Rangers. And now all of your season hopes, everybody's talking about Sam Moran. And it's like, come on, people. Like, all due respect to Sam Moran. Like, I'm glad they're giving him an opportunity. The guy's worked his ass off to get back here after tearing his ACL twice. He's worked very hard since getting drafted in 2013, most of it in rehab instead of development for him. It's good to see him get his opportunity in his first NHL goal, and hopefully they run with it. But if you're thinking that your whole season is going to be rallying around a guy like Sam Moran, then you're you're just peeing in the wind. It, it, it's it's nothing. It's just it, it's going to well, do absolutely nothing for you. For
0: Well, on the realistic level that we are as a, as this podcast, I think most people, including our listeners, will say, "Is Sam Moran going to be the the Chris Pronger of the world?" And all of a sudden, that's who we rally upon and eventual captain and all. Like, no, of course not. That's not going to lead. Sam Moran's one goal which just happened to be his first year first career playoff game or I'm sorry first, first career goal. goal in his career and in the NHL his first professional at the age AH level AHL level or the NHL level since I believe 2017 two knee surgeries on the same knee for the same injury in ACL tear finally back where he said he belongs on the defensive blue line and then the fact that it was a game winning goal like it, it it's not the fact that it is it's a rallying cry around Sam Moran it's a feel good story for Sam Moran mm-hmm. and it's a potential for where a a, a hockey club like the Flyers can say, you know what? We can, we can string things together here. Like we're not a totally lost team. As you put it, a, a team that's peeing in the wind, pissing in the wind. Like, yeah, we're not. <clears throat> to be PG about it. Yeah, it's fine. But like, it, it, it like there's, <laughs> there's a certain point where you hope that you always look back on certain seasons. Like you look back on the 2009, 2010 season, the, the very last game of the season was the pivotal moment for that Philadelphia Flyers team. It was their rallying cry. They win in a shootout. They get the seventh seed and they go on an historic run. Could that happen here? Yes and no. Like, obviously, I'm being, I'm trying to be optimistic about the matter, especially because you have two against Buffalo coming up before you take on the Islanders uh, in, in New York again, who you've been disappointing against. So it's one of those things where it can. Maybe not bring the fan base back into it, but it will bring a a a locker room in because because it's it's a feel good thing. It's it's something that teams have been. It feels like it's been something that this this team has been looking for since probably Lake Tahoe because Lake Tahoe was like when they were they obviously got blown out by Boston. I believe the score was seven three, uh, something around that seven four. And it's just like this team has been grasping for something outside. Of hockey to rally around and yes, the Sam Moran thing is rallying around hockey, but it's also a guy that pushed through something that he had no control over except though just the power of his own will to recover from those injuries and get back. Like it was a joke that he was put on the, the forward lines, trying to get him. It was just a way to like try and salvage his career. Then you realize that Nate Prosser and Eric Gustafson, who are total jokes of defensemen uh, and you, Chuck Fletcher was trying to like, uh, like trying to sell a, a a bill of goods to this fan base that these two were able to do something. Meanwhile, you had Sam Moran who is a dinosaur in the sense of how this league. Is played nowadays, but at the same time, uh, I believe it was Scott Hartnell in the in in the post game on NBC Sports after the game on on Saturday said he's not Chara, but he can be a chara like in the sense that he's big, he has a long reach. He has a powerful shot when given the opportunity. So it's going to be fun. I, I I think it's only right that we see Sam just continue to do it. Cause not just the goal, what to Scott Harno's point is you did see him take advantage of that reach. He made some really good blocks and, blo- and poke checks to get the puck it, it, back on the defensive end or excuse me, back in the flyers possession. The only problem is they continue to do these stupid plays. So is it, it is Sam Moran going to be the, the rallying cry for the fan base? No. Is he potentially the feel-good story that this the, the team needs to get them going? Yes, I think that's a potential there. Just a matter of, as you said, what happens this week in Buffalo and New York.
1: Well, let's be honest. We're spending a lot of time on a guy who's played 15 career NHL games. Let's be real. and
0: Because of it, he's come back from that.
1: Correct. Okay, fair enough. But if you want to talk about a rallying point, let's talk about the other day with Oscar Lindblom getting basically a clean bill of health up to this point, which is great, and you respond by losing eight to three. Yep. Um, so I don't buy into the fact this locker room needs anything they've got to start playing better uh, we, we, we've we been saying it for weeks now I thought they turned the corner this week the way they responded to me was just absolutely pathetic um, I don't think the goaltending's been good uh, they, have, but they haven't but they have gotten much support from the defense and the scoring when they really need it they battle back late in games which shows character and they don't quit which I respect them for but you can't get down in games too early you need to start playing smarter plays we've been breaking it down on Twitter hashtag over Back check. If you check them out, we're breaking out all the goals, how they happen, except that eight to three loss because it's not worth it. Like there's no reason to go through if you want to see what happened in the eight to three loss. Go, go back and watch the night nothing one because the same thing happened. because about a guy got another hat trick. They had a ton of points again against the Flyers. It's nonsense. Another time Carter Hart was pulled. Um, this team is a mess right now, it's really a mess. But you're right. Okay, fair enough. I'll give you the point that they've come back in the past and they've had seasons like 2009-2010, but let's look at the players who were on that team as opposed to this one. You had Kimo teaming in on your back end. You had Chris Pranger on your back end. You had Matt Carl back there. You had Braden Coburn. Guys who were better um, who were then the defensive core now. You had a lot more scoring up front of Danny Briere, Scott Hartnell. You had uh, Simone Gagne. You had Mike Richards. You had Jeff Carter. You had a lot of guys. You, you don't have that punch right now that they we're able to, to battle through like they did. Um, you know, you could make another example, too, that's not Flyers-related and look at a team like the St. Louis Blues two years ago who were dead last at the turn of the year, at the turn of the calendar year, and then they go on to win the Stanley Cup and end up finishing second in the division. They just kind of turned it on after a coaching change. So yes, there there's got to be some sort of spark there, but there's plenty of bullets and bull material for them to be able to use and go forward with it. Another example would be the 2011-2012 LA Kings. Those they struggled with with, with uh, Mike Richards or, uh, Mike Richards, John Quick having the West, one of the best seasons of his career at that time. They drew Dowdy on their back end, Anze Kopitar, uh really, really leading them Dustin Brown, that's when he was in his prime they barely made the playoffs that season. I mean, they climbed in as the eighth seed and they just ran train through the playoffs. So um, it it is possible. It is possible if you have the right pieces in place. But everything you've seen so far, this is more deep-rooted than just a team that's underperforming. Something is seriously wrong here, structure-wise, like we have talked about over the weeks. Is it a system issue? Is it a system where the coaches aren't getting through? Are they overthinking? These players, you don't drop off like this. You don't have a severe drop where You're just you're playing well. You're gradually getting better, and you, you don't go like the stock market and just tank. Like you know, that just yeah. doesn't happen normally. And not to every player. We've seen it happen to Travis Sanheim. Phil Myers has been god awful this year. He's yep. one of been probably one of the worst defensemen I've seen in a long time. And the way he's and even Carter Hart, it's it's showing up with him because he has now a 4.04 goals against average yep. and a save percentage. I think in the eight, uh, but yeah, definitely in the eighties. I mean, it's it's bad. It's
0: really, it's 869 actually. So it's, it's even worse than that. It's not just bad. It's just, it's it's embarrassing. Like, it's, yes. it's tough to yes. do anything. It's embarrassing. And, and we'll get into the Carter Hart in just a minute here because that's the main point of and a running theme for this podcast. And like the discussion on Carter Hart needs to be had in every week, it seems. Like, it's an important discussion to have because. Everything starts at the goalie position. So we'll get into Carter Hart in a second. But to your point about how this team has made a significant drop-off in team play, and in individual play from Cengossifer, Philip Myers, Carter Hart, obviously. What's also is shocking is the fact that they lost two players in Matt Niskanen and Tyler Pitlick. And all of a sudden, that has ruined this team. Like, it, it's mind-boggling to me that we're trying to convince ourselves two players— have caused a drastic shift in how this team plays. I don't know what the logic is. I think it's more, it's certainly more impactful in my eyes, the loss of Matt Niskanen than Tyler Pitlick. As much as I like Tyler Pitlick and I don't blame him for leaving for more money in years, but at the same time, Tyler Pitlick was a. He wasn't a full blown scorer, obviously, but he was something that the team needs at this point. Like he just needs you need that third, fourth line guy to step in when your top line is 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 s in the bed and you don't know what to do with it. Matt Niskin's is a different story because you're just like you had a really good partner for your top guy and Ivan Provorov who has had a really crappy year uh, this year. One of those guys that's had a drop off. It's hard for me to wrap around it just because. Provorov had a bad year because or is having a bad year because he lost his guy. And then Justin Braun is the best defender on this team. Not just in the sense of a plus minus sense, as you said last week, it's probably changed. I'm sure. Obviously he was a plus 10. There's no way he is now, but at the same time, he's just contributing to some extent. Like he is far and away this year, the best defender on this team. That's not saying much far and away, that's more an, an indictment on how bad the other five defensemen are on the given, any given night.
1: He's still a plus eight, too, which is big. So, I mean, you, you, here's the issue. And we, we the, everybody talks about it and people don't understand the dynamic of it. But when you don't have your top defenseman who really, Pro is not really an elite defenseman in this league, he's more of like a top, like a 1 1A. So he's not like a guy you'll put him in the same uh, bracket as far as like as an Alex Petrangelo or uh, a Drew Doughty. He's not that type of guy, he's close to it but he's not there, but you also need a good partner to play with to, to get back to get up that speed up that level. Matt Niskanen got him up because he elevated his game more because Niskanen was a veteran who's been around. That's why I said last week this team needs to acquire a veteran defenseman. They, they if they could get two even better because it would solidify even further. Um, but it may not be, a, you may not need to, because if you can get Moran to play the way he can play, you might salvage it to be able to be off season. But here's, here's the key. Tyler Pitlick was a guy who got in the corners. You create a lot of energy, a lot of spark on the team. He created a lot of turnovers. You, every, every minute he was out there, he was hustling like crazy, you know, always aggressive on the puck you don't have that now you, and, you know, losing, you know, Derek Grant wasn't really that type of player anymore. but he didn't really do much in the playoffs last year. So keeping him wasn't really an, a, you know, an option, um, Those were great j- anyway, you should,
0: like, the, like they, you knew they weren't Derek Grant and Nate Thompson were not going to make it. A-
1: well, Nate Thompson ever. was a disaster, but right. you, even so, like you having a guy with that veteran experience and being able to get in there and create energy for you is a good spark for your team because you're right. It does elevate. You. They were hoping Nick Obey Kubel could be that guy, but Nick hasn't played well at all this year. So. Yeah. It, it when it comes down to this, it, Chuck Fletcher said it this week doesn't like the way the team is constructed in a sense. And I I, I and that's agree on with him. him.
0: Like, how the, the, the press conference how? was a joke. The, 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 okay, the, the GM is the GM. What do you mean? How Chuck Fletcher is supposed to be structuring this roster to its best ability. Yeah. He's the one that traded for guys like Nate Thompson and Derek Grant. Like, you can mm-hmm. for you to say in, in a, a joke of a press conference, because he told us nothing, I wasn't expecting him to say anything, but I'd rather him just say, I'll talk at the end of the season with my evaluation on how piss poor this team has been. But like, you don't like how this team is structured okay, that's on you, brother, that you you yeah. decided to stick it out and hope that Matt Niskan would change his mind in the middle of an offseason, in the middle of a pandemic, that, oh, you know what? I think he needs to think this out. And then that that will – that he'll change his mind, and Matt Niskan will come back and play for this team. That was never – Hold on.
1: Oh, hold on. Hold on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You – he – If you would really want to talk about Fletcher, yes. Is he had to fall here for you? Yes. But it's also it takes two to tango. You cannot get players if other teams aren't willing to deal them. And considering what it's the flat cap, there was term on this in his contract. He had two more years left on his contract. So he was going to be here. They play, They traded for Niskanen knowing he'd be here for a few years. Now I'm he t- throws out the window, and now you're in trouble because now you're scrambling in the middle of the summer with a flat cap where teams are assigning players to back ended size contracts instead of front end and front-loaded like they usually are, and nobody wants to trade players because they don't want to give up anything or mess up their whole situation because they're too nervous about the flat cap. There's no flexibility there. It's not going to go up. It's not going to go down. It's going to stay there. The player salaries are staying the same. So I'm not defending Fletcher here specifically, but he's got a point. This is not the team he really constructed to begin with. It was a forced retirement, a player they couldn't bring back because of financial restrictions.
0: And, you know, this whole week, I get it. But the, the, the phrase, I don't like how this, this team is constructed on its face sounds insane and just like not in set in reality because for a general manager of a major sports franchise or any sport team in this, in this client in, in, in history to say, I don't like how this team is constructed is insane because he constructs it. If Howie Roseman, of yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles said in the middle of, of let's just, because we're about, we're, we have, they have about 26 games left. They'll say if Howie Roseman were to come out and say in week 10 with seven games remaining, I don't like how this team is constructed. Philadelphia would burn to the ground in anger because of how yes. the general manager of the football team, said that he doesn't like how the team is constructed when he is responsible for how this team is constructed. It's the okay. same thing that Chuck Fletcher just did. I okay. know like that. He's is holding the- himself accountable, Bill. He knows I like it's that. not good enough. And
1: that's why I don't know why you're ripping the guy. for again- I didn't do a good enough job, but I've been on the phone. I can't get other
0: players in here.
1: What do you want him to do? This is, this is, you know, this week. I, I wanted him to, to realize so that Matt ripping.
0: Niskanen retired and was not coming back. That's what yeah, I Yeah, but think what
1: he, can you do to get a defenseman in here? What are you, you going to do? You could have go gotten a
0: better free agent. Free agent. What? No, no, no. But you could have easily gotten a better free agent. Did, no. no Gustafson was, no- was like the nothing. fifth guy on the list. Because
1: you had no money to move with it. You had no money to play with. You had no money to play with. That's the problem. In a flat cap year, you had no money and no wiggle room to play around with it. And not only that, it's not like he didn't give his answer until later on. So they fire staff and probably had to think of a whole new strategy of what to do here. When someone, when a GM says, yeah, caught me by surprise, it tells me that he was planning to have him on the roster. Now he looks at it and say, I got a gaping hole here. Nobody wants to give me any parts to do it. It's like going and driving a car with three tires. Oh, my tire blew out in the middle of the desert. I don't have a spare. Would he expect me to ride on a rim for a while till I get there? Guess what? You ain't getting there. So now you got to figure out on your plan B of what you're going to do in order to get that fixed. So that's the issue here is that the, I don't think that this team at this point has a more than 50% chance of making the playoffs because of all this. Yeah, uh, because hot. they just they're not they're there's just they're nobody's gonna give them anything in the deadline. They're, they're just they're not gonna move the teams, are not going to make the moves right now, unless you're talking like a hockey style trade, and the salary is so similar that it works for both teams. It's not, and it's gonna stifle player movement probably here for the next two off seasons and the next two regular seasons, too, until teams get confidence again that they can make moves and be more flexible with the with the money and the cap situations because without that yeah you could go ahead and try to flip somebody but the teams are going to want more value back and not just buy a draft pick oh we're not going to send you a second round draft pick i'm going to want player prospect and a draft pick as well that's the price of matthias at home right now and it's really the name that you really need to get out there excuse me there's other guys available but in order for it to make sense teams are going to be asking for a lot because they're going to have to get a lot back for these guys because they need those players for the next season or two in order to be competitive. So this is the log that you're in and I'm not blaming COVID, but you can't go off and say that he doesn't like the way the team's constructed and, and rip them for him when he's holding himself accountable specifically. And this goes to show one thing too. This past week I've heard on the radio and everything of people just ripping this organization and or ripping this franchise about how they've just, all oh, they've changed. And, and it hasn't been the same since Mr. Snyder has uh, died. And, you know, it's awful. And uh, what is the, what are they doing? They're going to run Carter Hart out of town and, I'm sitting and thinking, what the hell are you people talking about? Like, why? Like, what are you talking about? Because you didn't see this crap last season when things were trending in a positive direction. Now, because they're struggling right now, and because they're not built the way that they expected to be built going into this season, I know all of a sudden you're saying that it's a whole ripoff. Listen, this team is not drafted overly well since really well, this team is a identity changed with the caps when the cap came in in 2005 they couldn't be a team that just go out and spend the money and bring in the big time players and go load it every, every year now now you need to build from within they spent years with their old mentality until about 2012 2013 culminating in the great signing of vincent le and how a bunch of a disaster that thing was to the point where you had to go in You had to bring in Ron Hextall to refill the cupboard and you got a little impatient with it. And now this is a culmination of years of drafting, not correctly. Well, now you're seeing it on the all nice product. You're getting mediocrity. You drafted mediocrity for years. Now you got mediocrity and this is what it looks like. It's ugly. It sucks. It's not fun for the fans, but unfortunately for the next little while here, this is where they're going to have to deal with because this team doesn't have a superstar like Conor McDavid, a Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, a Jack Eichel, a Nathan McKinnon. you know. And they don't have those types of guys where they can really they have a Jake, they have a, a, a Jake Voracek and a Claude Giroux in in their 30s. Yep. Uh, they, they don't have another guy in the pipeline like that to really give that spark to this team. But well, they, think, they you think don't have the right Travis to go out and McNeese. say they've been trash. That that's not it's, it's uncalled for. It's it, it, it's ridiculous, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they think they have. They're not the talent wise of Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel or Jack Eichel, excuse me, or anything like that. They think the, they have contributors nearly to that point, to to a certain extent. Whether it's Travis Konechny being, hopefully, I don't think he'll ever be this but a 35, 40, 45 goal scorer a year. Um, uh, Nolan Patrick, who's been another guy that's been extremely disappointing. He finally got a goal on a slapper by, by, on a deflection by Shane Gossesbeer on Saturday afternoon. That was the tying goal. Uh, So uh, like, it it is a weird mindset with the Flyers are in for sure. Um, I think there's a, potential but again it goes to the point about your with your point excuse me about how there's a lack of movement because of the flat cap but they i think there's a there's a scenario where they go for these the jack eichel because they're he's not happy up in buffalo like that may be their best hope at the at this point like trying to get a guy but i want to like it with your point about the the fans ripping this organization, I think it's just the culmination of just you're, you're going to get praised when you're good. You're going to get crapped on when you're, when you're in, when you're playing poor, like, that's just, that's just the nature of the, 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 of a sports franchise, namely one that starts with Philadelphia, whether it's the Sixers Eagles flyers does not matter. It's going to be, this is how it's going to go. Fair. Where I'm uh, getting frustrated is the fact that, Yes. People are all of a sudden saying Carter Hart is Steve Mason. Are there comparisons to Steve Mason? I think there are. And I, th- I think this is where we should start because Carter Hart is, is that Connor McDavid. We just talked about that. Like he's the Connor McDavid of their goalie. We've been looking for the Ron Hextall replacement, the Bernie Perrant replacement, these guys since the days of Ron Hextall and even early, even longer, to replace these guys. So now that we have Carter Hart, he has been dubbed the Connor McDavid equivalent in Philadelphia, and he's getting ripped for it. As we talked about in in, in, earlier, he is posting an historically bad goals against average in four Oh four. That's like, I actually asked you, I think it guess it was on the Islanders game when they lost uh, that game to four three or whatever it was. When was the last time we did not see Carter Hart give up three goals? Juniors. Like, it's that's what I texted
1: you, juniors. It's what it feels like. It feels like it's been a long time. Ironically, it it might have been
0: ironically, it might have been when he had his shutout this year. Ever since his Uh, shutout,
1: I can go back and probably look like that.
0: That shutout, ever since then, he's been nothing but mediocre and worse. Like, his best day is mediocre. So I'm trying to understand where we're at with him. And I think you have two avenues of what you, you how you can look at Carter Hart. You can look at him as a guy that is going to go down the road of Steve Mason, who was a Vesna winner in his rookie year. Then he did not get any support that he needed uh, after that in Columbus. His, his, uh, his goals against average skyrocketed. His save percentage tanked. And it was just one of those things where it was completely to a point where you had to get a change of scenery. As soon as Steve Mason had the support of the Chris Prongers of the world, of the chemotinians, where you had veteran presence on the blue line, all of a sudden he played really well for the first couple of years. Then he took it; he went back to that average self, and he kind of knew what he was. But injury, it, knee, injuries, knee injuries, right? It was the injuries that that hurt him. It was it was just the lack of a proper development, which goes to your point that you've hammered home since the start of this thing, it's a long time for a goalie to oh, develop yeah. as, as as a true number one night in and night out. Like, And that's where, again, Steve Mason, one road. The second road, and I'll turn to you for this one, Carey Price. Carey Price is one of the best goalies that we've seen over the last 20 years. Like, Technically, it, yes. Mm-hmm. It's it is impressive what we've seen in Mon- him in Montreal. He played decent, from what I remember, in the 2010 Eastern Conference Finals against he, the uh, Flyers.
1: Well, it was Yaroslav Halak that year, and that's why you know people don't really understand that. It, they they I, I think a lot of unnecessary blame is going to Carter Hart, and mm-hmm. you know it, I'm not being biased because I'm a goaltender myself, and not because I understand the position more than probably the average fan. Um, and that's not to put myself on a pedestal, but I I believe that he is, he is, you know, to quote, you know, someone great in office before I'm being treated very unfairly. Um, I, I, he, I think he is being treated very unfairly in a sense where, because, you know, a you're in Philadelphia, you're under a microscope when it comes to goaltending, not only is it your most important position on the ice, because you got to have a good goalie um, to, to keep the puck out of the net at the end of the day. He's seen so many grade a scoring chances this year. His confidence has got to be shot. Now, everybody was – he was so tatted coming out of, um, of juniors of being, you know, mature for his age and being a, a kid who could just come in here and just kind of take the reins. L- let's, let's not forget the fact he's just 22 years old, okay? Yeah, we, think- we, we, we can't forget that he is a yep. 22-year-old kid. He's a kid, people. He's a 22-year-old kid trying to make his way in the National Hockey League – and in Philadelphia. So that's a lot of pressure. And during COVID, excuse me, if you don't mind during a pandemic, that, that mentality will affect it a little bit. Let's be honest here. Actually,
0: it, that's a like to go back really quick to Chuck, Chuck Fletcher's press conference that he had earlier this week. One of the things he brought up was the guys that are single and in having trouble and trouble just navigating their lives through this, because these players are not doing anything other than, staying at home, going to Voorhees for practice, going to the Wells Fargo Center for home games and getting on the plane or the train or the bus to go up to to Boston, New York and all and down to Washington to play those games. That's all they're doing. Carter Hart's 22, who's clearly a very focused family man. If you remember the feature on his debut in 2019 with his mother being in the Wells Fargo Center to watch him. billet family and his billet family. Right. So like this kid is facing something that Yes, we all are facing, I get that, in isolation and quarantine and all this stuff, but you're also asking him, as you put it, play one of the most highly touted and highly scrutinized positions in Philadelphia. It it, it probably, in my opinion, goes Eagles quarterback, Philadelphia Flyers goalie in terms of scrutiny. Like that's, that's one of those things that happens. So, and he's, again, not getting a lot of practice time. He, he's getting what he can out of this out of this situation so yeah it's, I it's for a kid that's going through psychological development and going through a therapist and all that stuff that he's spoken out publicly like I, there's a certain point where you, it's not always going to fix yourself yeah you, you, you got to be around people to help you so at and the end it, of it, it I, I hope we look at this year as it just like a blip on the radar in Carter Hart's career because of what he had to face an it's additional likely. adversity.
1: It's likely. and Here's two reasons. First of all, nobody should really be willing to think about pulling the plug on this kid too, uh, too early because then you run into a situation like you did with Sergei Bobrovsky. And you went yes. out and got Ilya got You traded away Sergei Bobrovsky. What did Sergei Bobrovsky turn into in next season? He yeah, turned into he, a Vesna winner.
0: I was going to say he won the Vesna. He won with the Columbus. Vesna.
1: He's the best goaltender in the league. Now, granted, his playoff record is trash compared to show you that. I don't even think he's ever won a round, um, but still it's a big deal. It really is a big deal that a guy went out and you gave away, had potential to be a Vesna winning goaltender just the very next season. So that's why it's important that, Yes, I can understand you might be frustrated by the way that things are going, but a lot of goalies go through this stuff. The one I can know off the top of my head was Brian Boucher in this city. His first year when he tore it up, when he took over for John Van Beesbrook, the next year he came back and he was supplanted by Roman monic The year after that, he played a little better after that, played well in a backup role. Then they flipped him to Phoenix, where he set the league shutout record. So, um, like the league shutout record for consecutive minutes without getting scored on. Yeah. Um, you know, and he bounced around a bit. You, the Carter Hart, listen. You, this is a, this is a time where you have to understand. You have to take the good with the bad. The kid is twenty two. He needs to learn about how to play hockey professionally. Still, he's still developing. Still developing as a human being overall. That's a bigger deal. But I also want to take it back at our fancy schmancy time machine, and I want to look at some of the top goaltenders now, who also went through some struggles back then. So if you go back and look at Tuka Rask, okay, who's probably without a doubt, if you ask me. Right up there with Andre Vasilevsky and Carey Price as the top goaltenders in the NHL, hands down. They're, I mean, there's nobody who has a better story. I'll be saying this just as a side note. If Tuka Rask is not in the Hall of Fame when he re, after he retires, this that, that's a travesty. That's how good he's been the last decade. In his sophomore, really sophomore season, now his rookie year, he came in for Tim Thomas. That was the year the Flyers played against him in 2010, and they came back down 3-0. He actually came in and really gave Boston spark at the end of the season. Okay. And then this is 2010. So this is post-lockout high scoring league. At that point, his goals against average is 1.97 to save percentage is 931. Okay. The next season. Okay. Let's take some into perspective here. The season they won the Stanley cup. Okay. The year before he went 22 and 12 came in as a rookie the year after his record. He only played 27, 29 games and he was 11 and 14. Okay. Now, stats really don't say that much. His save percentage was 918, but his goals against average went up to 2.67. That's what Tim Thomas pretty much having a career, one of the best goaltending seasons and playoff performances you'll ever see in your entire life. Okay. Behind that. So he took a step back a little bit there. And then when Tim Thomas departed of the year, I'm when he played the, uh, what's he still, the next year, he still played in a backup role, was a nine, had a save percentage of 930. And then the year after that, he really took over the starting wall and carried him to the Stanley Cup Final in a lockout-shortened year with a 929 save percentage. And he did it in back-to-back years. So he did take a step back. Carey Price, the same thing. Carey Price also made his debut in 2007-2008, and the Flyers also played him in the playoffs. And everybody thought that they were going to go all the way because his save percentage was 920 in a post-lockout year as a rookie. Okay? Gets eliminated in the second round. The next season he comes out, posts a save percentage of 905. Okay? played in 49 games, went 23 and 16, solid record overall. They made the playoffs, but then they went up flipping to Liarislav Halak pretty much for the next two seasons. And he also take a step back. And then finally, when they got rid of Halak, he took over the role in 2010, 2011, he became one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. Brandon is another example of this. Okay. His stats don't really show it, but they brought in Thomas Fokun in 2013, 2014 to play alongside him because he was not playing as well as he should have been. His 8% was 9 which is solid at the time. But still, he, played, he gave up a lot of games to Tomas Vokun. So to summarize, these are some of the best goalies who have done that the year after Jonathan Quick win the Stanley Cup. Okay, he had a same percentage in 929 in 2011 2012. They barely made the playoffs with that save percentage. Then they win the cup. The next year, responded with a 902 save percentage. That's a huge drop off from a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. So even Jordan Bennington, Jordan Bennington's having not a great year after winning the Stanley Cup. He responded with a 912 save percentage the following year, and now he's at a 904. And they just extended him so he's going through some growing pains as well. And probably the glaring one that people don't realize is Matt Murray, won of the Stanley Cup in his first two seasons in the NHL. And then the first year they trade away, Mark Andre Fleury, his save percentage is 907. Okay. The year after that, 919. And then last year was not even 900. It was 899. And then he got traded and he's been awful in Ottawa. Okay. So there, there are chances where, yes, you take a step back and you don't quite recover. Matt Murray is one of those examples, okay? Jordan Biddington is yet to be seen. But John Quick, Braden Holby, Carey Price, and Tuca Risk all recovered after having down seasons from good seasons and eventually recovered. So that's the key thing that people need to understand is that this is not out of the ordinary. Now, Carter's hard stats are ballooned, and it's a lot worse than it looks because his goals against average is 4.04 with a save percentage of 860. But the the key thing is is that this is not – out of the ordinary for a young goaltender to go through and learn it's, this and have that learning curve. But you need to be patient with them because overall, if you look at this team now, are you as really, okay, as a fan, I'm not asking from a coaching perspective. I'm asking from a fan. Do you think the team right now has a shot at winning the Stanley cup this season? Let's be real. What do you think? No, they, they, they don't. Like the goaltending isn't good. The defense isn't good. The offense is a score at the right times. So if this is an off year, let it be an off year. Let the kid grow and through it because that's going to give him more juice going forward. And he's going to learn from it and all the players will, but I think it's important. People know that this is not out of the ordinary to take a step back like this.
0: Two things. And in my own, like everything that I look, I looked at Kerry price specifically because I think one it's he's the idol to Carter Hart, So you kind of like just take a little bit more weight in, in that career. Carry Price just had the, the when he had his drop off, you immediately saw what the Montreal Canadiens did. They got him support. That was the second full year of P.K. Subban. How freaking Gill! like these guys who were throwing the body, they all had 90 plus block shots. They, they were throwing their body. They were getting in front of the net and giving support to Kerry Price. You're not seeing that now. You didn't see that with Steve Mason in Columbus after his after his Vesna win. He completely did not get any support over his next year, couple years in 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 Columbus. Eventually, culminating in the trade here to Philadelphia, where then again, as I said earlier, he had the support of a Chris Pronger. He had the support of a Kimo Teeminen, and, and it was just like one of those things where that was the support that they needed. Like these Great. guys. And it wasn't Pronger because obviously Pronger was hurt. Sorry, I, I I got that wrong. But like Kimo Timonen even, even Mark this, Andrew McDonald was still good at that point. Blocking <laughs> shots, good. yeah. That's why they traded for
1: him. During that season, right. the 13-14 season, that's when they got him.
0: He was still decent at that point. Yeah. So, Carey Price had one of the best defensemen. Eventually, he wasn't there at that point because he only played a couple games in his in the second year or in his rookie year in his first full year in the Canadians. P.K. Subban was still blocking shots. He immediately established himself. And now he's one of the best defensemen we have out there that's playing for Nashville. Nashville sucks, but still. So my point is with Carter Hart, you look at this and you see. A struggling, as you put it, a one A one B defenseman in Ivan Provorov. I think he can be a one. I think he. I think he has established. A, but at the same time, you have a crappy year for Phil Myers. You have a continuing struggling years over the last three, being generous. No, being 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 uh, overcompensating maybe, in Shane Goss' spare, you don't know what your true second defenseman is. You don't know who your bottom six is in terms of, because now we're talking about how Sam Moran, as great of a comeback story it is, you still don't know because, as you put it, he's played 15 games in the NHL. So, if you don't get the proper support for Carter Hart, We're talking about him as a Steve Mason who's going to be traded to the likes of Nashville, the likes of Columbus, the likes of Detroit. And all of a sudden, he turns around his career because he gets the proper support, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through trades, anything like that. I get that Chuck Fletcher has hamstrung by the flat cap, but we can't just stick around. It's If we have to go through two plus years of this mediocrity and mediocrity right now is being very generous. Extremely generous of this hockey in Philadelphia. No one is going to be buying tickets. No one is going to be watching the games. No one's going to buy merch. No one is going to listen to this podcast. We'll really become a full-time call of duty, black ops, cold war podcast, because that will get us more listeners. That is my, like, that is my point. If Chuck Fletcher, Continues to say, well, I'm making calls and I can't, you know, need to to tango. Sorry, not, not to insult you, Scott. It's like, a if, line. If there is, if, if you continue to say, well, if nothing's there, nothing's there, that's on you. You're not doing something. There's always, you. if, if it costs you an extra pick that you don't want to give up to get you uh, Matthias Ekholm, uh, whoever it may be. Jack Eichel, if he's on the board in the offseason, you do it because you're trying to get Carter Hart back to what he was in his full season, really his rookie year as a Philadelphia Flyer. Because if you don't, again, Matt Murray, Steve Mason, not Carey Price, not uh, Tuka Rask, Steve Mason, Matt Murray. I don't want that because... Steve, because from what we've seen, the good of Steve, uh, excuse the good of Carter Hart, is the best thing that the Philadelphia Flyers have seen since the days of Ron Hextall, and it's it is an absolute travesty if we say to ourselves after one bad season, this is over for, for Carter Hart and it's done. Because it's not his fault right now. Is is he letting up soft goals? Absolutely. But at the vast majority of this BS team is the inability to create blocking traffic, blocking shots, and just getting the puck simply out of their own zone. Because every time they turn the puck over before they even exit their own zone and enter the neutral zone, a piece of me just wants to turn off this 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 freaking hockey team because it's infuriating. And I know you didn't want to bring this up, but if there's not an assistant coach fired after a BS team like Buffalo and the Islanders – well, the Islanders aren't a BS team, but you get my point. Something will have to change by next week if we have another crapshoot like we saw last week that just culminated in Sam Moran – Luckily, getting his first goal of the year of his career,
1: heads won't roll. First of all, I've never seen you that angry, and I absolutely love it. I want more of this. I want more of this. I want more of Angry Bill. I love Angry Bill. It's like, great. However, heads aren't going to roll at this point in the season, they're still in it. If I'm not mistaken, Boston okay. lost tonight. They so-
0: did, and it, it's it, it's I think three points or four points still in the standings. And Boston, okay. but again, Boston has two then, games then in hand.
1: Boston's yes, but Boston also is down in the dumps a little bit because they've had their top goaltender yeah, but out. The Flyers have been down in it. the dumps. The Flyers are down okay. in the dumps. I, 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 I right. hang on, chill out. All right, hang on. The Bruins, though, they've been really playing since Tahoe, barely 500 hockey. They've been run-of-the-mill average, okay? The Rangers look like they could be invincible when they beat the Flyers 9-0. Now, I've lost two in a row because they lost to Washington today. So, it's key to look at how things are going on. So, they as of right now... The Flyers getting two points yesterday is is huge because Boston didn't pad anymore, and the Rangers didn't catch up and make up the points they lost yesterday. So now, if anything, that actually works out well in their favor because you're right. While they're three points behind Boston, even though Boston has two games in hand, that still they get four points this week, and Boston really doesn't do anything, now you're back in it. As we talked about from day one of this season, this team is going to be pushing for a spot. You're not going to fire any kind of coach unless you think it's really drastic and you think that you can win the cup this year, which I think internally at this point, they know they have a lot of holes and if they get in, the they have a shot, but I don't think that they think they're at that point yet where they're going to trade a major piece in this roster or a piece to get them over the hump. They're not ready for that type of move yet. They're not, their goaltending hasn't been good enough. The defense isn't good enough. They're not going to mortgage any kind of thing like that until probably next season and we'll see how this is. And then a non sure, if year is back to
0: normal. What, what's also important about this upcoming week in Buffalo and New York and, and beyond that, you have Boston coming up in a back-to-back scenario. Like the trade deadline is April 12th. So to your point, if they do want to make that push, whether it's getting Matias Ekholm, really pushing all in, trying to get Buffalo out of, the, out of that Jack Eichel contract, whatever it may be, like – it's April 12th. Like you got, this is the week to figure out what's going on with the team. Because if you do think that if you have a good week where all of a sudden, including Saturday's Rangers win, if all of a sudden you're on a three game win streak going into Islanders on Saturday, I believe it's Saturday. It's either Friday or Saturday is their game. Like, and then you win either in overtime or regulation, whatever it may be, you just win, all of a sudden you're talking about now a four-game win streak against two teams that – including two teams that have been a pests on you and you have a huge series. It's all going to come down to that Boston series. If the Boston back-to-back proves something and they come away with – they have to come away with four points in that scenario, then I think they're going to make that move because then you're probably either a point or just – it, you're probably in the playoff spot at that four p- spot right then and there. And then you're either playing Boston or excuse me, you're either playing. Yeah. You're either playing Boston. No, sorry. Boston's the would be five at that point. You're either playing the Islanders or the Capitals in the first round of the playoffs. Do you take the risk and push all in? Or do you just say, let's see what we got and kind of go with the model you did last year. Cause again, I don't really get the Nate Thompson and, and, or, and, 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 uh, you
1: I have enough confidence in Chuck Fletcher to make a move. That'll be sense enough for the team. It'll be what can, in a sense of like, like, okay, can they get pick up a third line energy guy to give them a little spark? Are they going to make a massive move to go get him a TSE call? Probably not. I, I just don't see them making a major move like that. If they do make a move, it would be more of a hockey trade, a trade that would make sense for both teams. I think that that's what the kind of trade you're going to see. I don't think you're going to see a lot of activity around the deadline this time. I just don't think you're going to see it. Um, you, you're, you have a really good point though is that this is a really key week going in because you're right the the trade deadline is the 12 they don't have a game on the 12 they play the day before against the sabers before that they have three games in the following week beforehand and three games in 7 days and three games in 5 days excuse me against the Bruins. so you're you're really your season comes down right there like if, if you lose all three games to boston that's six points they pick up. You don't pick up any. You're not making that a backup. You're, you're just right. not. You're, you're not going to do it. You split with them, and you still have a fighting chance for it. But th- this is why this week is, is really the key to the season, because you expect them to beat Buffalo. You, you do. You, honestly, there's no reason they shouldn't come out with four points there. At some point, Buffalo's going to win a game. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, it might be against the Flyers. The way this team's playing, they have a very good chance. Yeah, to go. Let's I mean, be real.
0: I wouldn't be shocked if they have their seventh win of the year. But against the Flyers on one of these two nights,
1: they can also show that they can beat the Islanders as well. Like they've gone back and forth against the Islanders. The Islanders only have one regulation win against them this year. Like you I mean, know honestly, I mean,
0: so- other than Boston, right now, they can beat anyone on the ice.
1: They can. They can. They, if they truly they play, can. They, if I know you're. Well.
0: Everyone's going to look at the 17 goals that the the Flyers have given up against the Rangers over the last uh, in those two losses in the nine nothing and 8 three loss. But then they beat them. You know, tight knit battle that was only two to one. So Correct. they can beat any one of these teams. I think they can Correct. beat Boston, but right now the track record, the resume for the 21, 22, 2021 season doesn't show that they can't beat Boston. Right. until they actually do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that if they can build a little momentum here against the Sabres and then let's see what happens against the Islanders. I mean, the Islanders, they've won three out of four, but i also in their last six, they've gone three and three. So really. And one of those wins was against the flyers in overtime. And they also beat the Bruins in overtime. So, um, the, the it's important to really look at this team and kind of say, okay, look, as bad as things have been, it's not Buffalo. Does it have a chance to go Buffalo? Yeah. This week, unfortunately, but if they can keep their heads above water this team still has a chance and it might show the manager, you know what, let's make that big move to tie it up and see if Ekholm could come in here and help out. Like if they, they, they might do that. I don't foresee them doing that but it would give them opportunity to be able to fix a major hole and maybe give a little more stability to a team that just seems to be scrambling all over the place right now. You know, I, I, that, that goes back to – and that's what I'm saying is I don't think, unless they're really, really out of it, and even if they get out of it the next week you're here to and they really just can't find a way where they're so far behind Boston because they've just blown it. And they lose that series – at least those couple games against Boston and they're really out of it. You're still not going to see heads roll to the end of the season. I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, you don't pick up a consistent coaches like that. The only team that can really see that they were really close to winning a Stanley Cup and they fired their coach to do it was in 2008, 2009 with – Michael Terry, getting canned, and then bringing in Dan Bylsma, and then going on to win a cup with the Penguins. I mean, they just needed a different air and voice right there. So I, I don't see that happening, though. I don't. Um, but it's important for this team to be able to pick up the four points that are likely going to be available. There, nothing's guaranteed. Again, they could blow one of these games, and the next thing you know, people are freaking out. Uh, yeah. But they should be able to pick up four points here, and then against the Anders, that's a crucial game because if you're really pushing. And and you're right there with Boston. By the time you go and hit that series with them, um, listen that that really is your season right there. We we've been saying it for a while. Like that's been a big week. It's been a big week. They haven't come up to the test. So this week they have six points available. I'm saying they pick up three. I I just I I yeah, I, I, just, I I just don't think they beat the Islanders. I don't know why. I just I'm, I'm not trying to be unconfident, even though I just went on a rant saying hey, there's every reason to be confident, but. Over the last two weeks, I thought this would be the week to turn the corner. This and then they've shown the same results each week where they just they have one good game and then they get blown out, and then they have another good game and then they get blown out. And they've just lost four in a row. Hopefully they turn around from it, but you never know. And that's the thing is that I think that Buffalo's want lost so many in a row here that at one point that, that blind squirrel has got to find that nut. I just – for whatever team, the Flyers just seem to be that team where we thought Rangers was rock bottom, losing the Buffalo would be rock bottom. I mean, you don't have fans throwing shit on the ice. I, that's the way I would look at it. So, um, I think it's key here that for the Flyers – even though they're not going to be home, but still, I think it's key for the Flyers here they, to pick up four to these six points. For whatever reason, though – I just think this this team, for whatever reason, this week I'm, I'm feeling three points. What about you?
0: Four. I, I think they win both in Buffalo and they lose to the Islanders because as much as I just said that they can beat any one of these teams on the ice in, uh, other than Boston, nothing – and we let off the show with this. As great as the feel-good story was with Sam Moran, it's not enough to turn this season around Correct. at the end Correct. of it. Like, the, at the end of the day – Like, it's a feel-good story. The kid has done nothing but work his butt off to get back on the ice on the professional level, AHL, NHL, whatever it may be. It's not enough for me to say that this team – it's a good thing that Buffalo is so down in the dumps as they are. Like you said, like, can it get to Buffalo bad? To an extent. I am not gonna go that far. It can get bad. I like Buffalo is its own level of bad right
1: now. Buffalo's not gonna blow him out. I just think that they could drop a game to Buffalo because they did it to the Devils this week when they clearly should have beat him. Granted, the Devils have been playing better as of late.
0: Devils have been playing better. Buffalo just nothing. Right. They should beat them. So I I think it's going to be one of
1: those. Keywords should, but you really can't trust this team.
0: You can't, but that's why I'm going with four, because I think they can beat Buffalo, and then they'll struggle again against the Islanders. And then we'll talk next week about this Buffalo series, or excuse me, this Boston series, where they're not just playing them twice in a row, they're playing them three times throughout that next week. They, and, and again, against the Islanders, like this is what we talked about in our preview pod about how ridiculous this season is going to be in the sense of you're playing the same six seven opponents night in and night out. And when you get to the nitty gritty of being three points out, four points out, what they are right now against the Bostons and the Islanders. Every team, it's it gets frustrating, I'm sure, because you can't bag points against the bad teams, whether it's the bad teams in the West, bad teams in the East, Atlantic, whatever, or not Atlantic. Well, yeah, there is a Metro, whatever it may be, in a normal scenario, when you're playing the same teams over and over, those bad teams get to know you. And when a bad team knows you, they bag points. And when a good team gets to know you, they bag even more points on you because they yeah. you know your, your secrets. So the Islanders, I have no faith right now that they are able to beat good teams other than when you their backs are against the wall.
1: I will say this is a side note though. There is something important that the Flyers have between that the Buffalo and the Islanders game. Oh yeah, the fact that they're getting a two-game rest, two-day break, two-day yeah. break, a two days off, yeah, and that's that. That's I key. will give you the that. Next, like- the next, the next break they have, honestly, that's really long. Won't be until April nineteenth, twenty, and twenty-first. When that's when they have three days off. Other than that, it's a day or two between games, if that. I mean, everything is every other day here on out or back to back. So, yep, it's compressed. Every team's going through it, but having them have a day off would probably be beneficial going into the islanders game so hey man we 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 will see i just for whatever reason i just think i just think this team has not shown us enough
0: they haven't to really You're like right. you know, haven't. it was
1: like oh yeah sabers are easy for and the honors that's the time they beat them they can get six like you know i know i've said far five points each week the past couple weeks and i'm not changing up to change it up but just listen they they you know this team well enough. If They can lose to the Rangers 8 to 3 and then beat them 2 to the 1 that they're freaking wild cards. Right. So and like and they can they can lose 9 nothing to the Rangers and, and then go around the next night and go to the Islanders 4 3 same three points. We'll see what happens. Let's hope they come out with six. Realistically, yeah.
0: same. 6 points changes a lot of things. That's going to do it for this week. This episode 71 of Orange and Backcheck. We talked about COD. We talked about the Flyers. I mean, what a, as we said, wildcard week. This podcast is going to become wildcard if if things go south. That's all I can say. Thank you so much for listening. Give us a follow on all our social accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all in the description below at orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. If you have any questions or concerns, if you are continuing to uh, play COD now instead of uh, hockey, Shoot us your gamertag. Maybe we'll friend you up. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.
1: Not that terrible a cock, Bill.